Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian and pastor in the 1930s and 40s. Bonhoeffer wrote numerous books that are used by many Christian scholars, even today. He lived a life furiously changed by the gospel. He often talked about cheap grace. Cheap grace is a grace that forgives you, but does not call you to be changed. This type of grace is not even really grace, but a cheap, watered-down version of the gospel. What we need is the real gospel that forgives us of sin, but also changes our sinful hearts. It is true that we're saved by grace through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8-9 to says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You and I could never be good enough to earn salvation. We could never try hard enough to receive salvation. When it comes to truly being saved, you and I, no matter what, we cannot try to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and say that we're saved now. It took the complete work of God to save you from your sin. You cannot boast in your own strength because your salvation comes from the cross of Christ. While you and I are saved wholly by the grace of God, we also go through a process called rebirth. Jesus talks about the new birth in John 3. While talking about the rebirthing process, Jesus mentions Ezekiel 36, verse 25 to 27, which says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This talks about how when we are saved, God will give us a new heart. Our old heart of sin is thrown out. Our new hearts are touched by God. Our new hearts are changed and molded by the Lord. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we become more like God. You see, when you accept Jesus Christ into your life, He begins to transform you. This is the process of sanctification, which is the action of being freed from sin. So you'll find that the sin which once had a strong hold over you, well, you'll find a new power to resist it. You'll find that you have a newfound strength to fight off those sinful urges. The gospel does not just save us and send us to heaven, but is the message by which God changes our hearts. Have you ever picked up a stone? I'm sure you have. Next time, try squeezing that stone. No matter how hard you try, you will not change the shape of that stone. It's too hard and tough. That is our hearts before we meet Jesus and go through the rebirthing process. However, after we meet Jesus, we get a new heart that is soft and pliable. It can be changed and shaped. God is calling His people to be changed and shaped by the gospel. Since we have a new heart, we can be changed. The real gospel of Jesus Christ will challenge and convict you. It will lead to a change in your sinful habits and cause you to repent. The gospel does not teach you that you are forgiven. Now keep living the way you were. That would be the cheap grace that Dietrich Bonhoeffer talked about. 
This is the cheap grace that says you're forgiven but does not call you to be changed. However, real grace? Real grace teaches us to turn away from sin, to sacrifice, to be humble, and love others as we love ourselves. Since the gospel calls us to change, we must reject the sugar-coated gospel. This is the gospel of cheap grace. This gospel teaches mercy and grace but has no call to repentance. The sugar-coated gospel will talk about blessing and prosperity but does not call you to love your neighbor or to sacrifice. The sugar-coated gospel tries to convince you that everything will go well after becoming a Christian. The real gospel teaches us that life often gets harder after following Jesus. But despite the many afflictions of the righteous, the Lord delivers out of them all. One of the reasons people often preach the sugar-coated gospel is because they're worried that the real gospel will offend other people. If they tell people they need to repent, that will turn them away from Jesus. While this does an excellent job of keeping those people at peace and tickling their ears, it does not change the heart of the hearer. The true gospel can pierce any hardened heart. By not calling people to repentance but just mercy and grace, you're robbing the gospel of its power. It's better to offend people now by preaching the full gospel instead of later as they realize they never heard the full message and may be on their way from God to hell. The words of Jesus in Luke 9 may speak most clearly on this. Luke 9, 23-25 says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? If we want to follow Jesus, we must deny who we are and follow Him. That means His will comes before our own. It means that we repent of our sin and follow the way of life that Jesus states. Even if we gain the whole world, we will die, and none of that comes with us. It will all be for nothing. All that matters is what we have done for the kingdom. We, as followers of Jesus, must reject the sugar-coated gospel that many try to present and hold tight to the only true gospel that can save us from sin. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans 1, verse 16. It reads, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Listen to those words. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. A lot of people in this world have things that they're proud of. And equally, a lot of people have things that they're ashamed of. Now, when it comes to us as children of God, are we ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we ashamed to say that I am a Christian who believes in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Are we ashamed to say that I am a Christian who believes that one day the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, 
and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Are we ashamed to tell our co-workers things like, I believe that heaven is a real place. Hell is a real place. And if you reject Jesus Christ, you'll spend eternity in hell. But if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you will enter eternal life. Saints, are we ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we ashamed to tell our friends and family that we all need to turn towards Jesus Christ and repent? For the kingdom of God, it is at hand. As believers, we should not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should not be ashamed of the gospel because the devil and the world, oh, they are aggressively spreading a message of deception. The devil in this world is aggressively trying to lead people away from the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, it is time that we, as believers of Jesus Christ, stand up and declare to the world that there is a Savior. There is someone who can set you free if you're bound. There is a Redeemer, and His name is Jesus Christ. Saints, we should not be ashamed of the gospel, but Christians must stand up and fight for the gospel. We must rise as sons and daughters of the Most High and proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. We must proclaim, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. And so I encourage you, be bold. As the voice of the world gets louder, the voice of the church must also become louder. The voice of you and I as believers must also be louder. And we must tell every soul we can that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is King. So saints, don't be silent. Refuse to be silenced by the world. Tell them of Jesus. Speak of Jesus. Shout about Jesus. And do not, do not ever be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that there is no way that you could know the word of God and know the promises of God and not be filled with strength and confidence. Because if you need protection, there's a promise for that in God's word. If you need peace, there's a promise for that in the Word of God. If you're fighting with anxiety, if you're feeling lonely, there is a promise that addresses that in the Bible. So you need to know Matthew 11 verse 28, which says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's a promise. If you're tired, Jesus Christ offers you rest. If you're being weighed down by your burdens, Jesus Christ offers you rest. 
This is a promise that we should know during those times when life seems to be overwhelming. Now, Isaiah 40, verse 29 says, He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, He increases strength. That's a promise. John 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That is a promise. Now please understand that the devil will do everything he can to distract you and to sway you from focusing on the promises of God. So be aware of the enemy and his schemes. He will attack you with doubts. He will attack you with feelings of condemnation, guilt, and shame. But whenever you hear the devil whispering his lies, when he tries to tell you that you will never be forgiven for what you've done, when he whispers and tells you that you'll never be able to move on from your past, or if he tries to tell you that you are unloved and unwanted, I want you to remember this promise. In Romans 8, verse 38 to 39, the Bible says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, not anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So don't ever be insecure about your identity. Don't ever be unsure of where you stand with God. The Bible says nothing is able to separate us from the love of the Lord. So when problems arise, when battles are before us, when we experience spiritual warfare, the Word of God has to be a source of constant reassurance to us. It must be that which ignites the fire in our faith. The Bible says in James 1 verse 22, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The Bible here is saying, Prove yourselves to be people who put the word of God in practice. Prove that you obey God's principles, His instructions and His precepts. Prove that you're not merely listeners who hear the word, but fail to internalize its meaning. Prove that you're not just listeners who hear the word, even know the word, but fail to do the word. And the last couple of words in this verse are interesting because the Bible is telling us that if you do this, if you hear the word but fail to do the word, then you are actually deceiving yourself. You are deluding yourselves. It's not the devil deceiving you. No, you deceive yourself should you hear the word but fail to act on it. We always think that deception comes from Satan, from the Antichrist, from some demonic false teacher. But something as simple as knowing God's word but failing to do it, that is an act of deception towards yourself. Because how can you claim to love Christ, but fail to obey Him? How can you say you are a Christian, 
striving to be Christ-like, but yet fail to bow the knee, to bow your will, and obey Him. The Amplified Translation for James 1, verses 22 through 24 says, But prove yourselves doers of the word, actively and continually obeying God's precepts, and not merely listeners who hear the word, but fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it, he is like a man who looks very carefully at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets what he looked like. So let me ask you a few questions concerning God's word in your life. Are you using God's word as a lamp to your feet? Are you obeying God's word and putting it into practice? I do not believe that anyone can be a doer of God's word without being challenged by it. God's word has to challenge you. And it will challenge you when you really try and put it into action. It tells you to pray without ceasing. That's challenging. We all know how busy our lives are. But in order to be a doer of the word, you need to pray without ceasing. The Word tells you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's challenging because some people will test you. They'll test your patience. They will test your character. But God's Word also tells you to be long-suffering and slow to anger. Do you see what I mean? The good fight of faith, it involves being changed and challenged by the Word of God. And I would venture to say if you're not being challenged by the Word of the Lord, then you are probably cherry-picking the parts you do like, the promises that make you feel good and protected over the Word of God in its entirety, especially when it comes to your character. So pray, saints. Pray that you would be a doer of the Word.